Okay, welcome to Six Pack Discussions with Jared and Cody. Jared, uh, I, this is a pretty exciting pod, podcast or episode, I guess, for me. What, Dude, what are we talking been, about? You've been wanting to do this one for I know. three or four weeks. This I don't is know the what. least talked about. I, I don't think I've ever seen a headline about this, but... Um, I think it's important. I agree it's important, but again, I don't know why you ever put this on it. But we're talking about automation in the workforce. Yeah. So, so surprisingly, there was a lot of you know pros and cons to it. Yeah. So and I'm a lot of information too. I won't go as far as say exciting. It, it can be highly opinionated, which is always fun because especially if you and I disagree, but yeah. um, why you pick this and why you get so antsy. I love it, but it'll be yeah. fun. So uh, we're really talking about automation. Will it take over your job? Are the machines taking over? Are we if just you want sit around and yeah. twiddle our thumbs? Yeah. Are we going to be in like a Jetsons type world where um, I'm a going to be able to order something and there's a little robot man that shows up with pizza at my doorstep. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm not even going to answer my own door because my door is a robot and it's going to do that for me too. Yeah. So um, mainly we're probably not going to talk about like, you know, automation in the house. Um, we're going to talk about automation in the workplace more so. But before we even going, we do have a pretty cool beer. We picked this out together today and uh, I don't know if I'll quickly introduce it and then Jared, you can give kind of a little bit more about it later. Okay. So uh, it is a, what brew free. Or yep. die, which is the name of the brewery, Twenty First Amendment Brewery. I think uh, they're calling it a blood orange IPA. So we're yep. going to give this a taste for the next uh, what twenty minutes, and then we'll give you our rating here. Seven percent. So uh, if all of a sudden after that third beer, our points aren't exactly hard hitting, we don't mind if you drop off. Please forgive us. <laughs> okay, so automation in the workplace uh, probably should define it. Of course, what yep. we're talking about. <clears throat> what we mean is, is in general. Um, most of the processes from a company or uh, a corporation or a small business has normally been done. The processes have been done by labor, uh, meaning people, people. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So you want to hire somebody or, or if you need a job performed, you're going to hire a person to do that job. Well, in the last you know, century, there are some jobs that can now be possibly uh, semi-automated meaning a machine does it, a robot does it, a computer does it of some sort, or completely replaced, meaning you can use this machine now instead of working with a person. Yep. And so maybe give you an example, an ATM. ATM, if you're wanting to grab cash 100 years ago. You went to a teller. You went to a teller at your local bank, and you would say, hey, I need to grab $100 out of my checking account. Well, about 40, 50 years ago. You go to an automated teller. You can go to an automated teller for some simple transactions like grabbing cash. If I need to grab $100 out of my checking account, I could use that ATM. So that's what we're going to be talking about is, is the ATM kind of the front running of maybe getting rid of more jobs? And also, we're using ATM as a as a um, representative of many different yes. industries. So yes. that is just one of the dozens, if not hundreds, of, of the different uh types of automation that we've seen in the workforce. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to maybe give a couple uh, of the background that you were looking into and finding out how maybe, I think maybe we should start is what's the scope, how many different industries are getting affected and what kind of maybe examples. So it's one of those things, man, where I feel like whenever you start talking about automation in the workforce, there's almost this sort of fear. People uh -huh. aren't really celebrating the innovations that people are making. People are very fearful for what it's going to do for future jobs. Yeah. And really where I get a little annoyed with that is, is you know, if we look back 50, uh, probably about 100 years, were, was mechanics a high need uh, career field? 
Well, there was no cars, so probably not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So whenever you have innovations like cars that it took over for a horse and buggy or just a horse. Um, you know what was in high need? Probably what? horseshoes. Yeah, horseshoe yeah, 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 exactly. To where obviously that has declined. Mm-hmm. So what I don't understand is why all of a sudden we have this fear. America, uh, actually not just America, the world has been innovating for centuries. Literally yeah. centuries. So, since the beginning of man, we have been innovating. We are finding a way to make a better mousetrap. Yep. So I don't understand why people are all of a sudden so fearful that our jobs are now going to be taken and there's just going to be no more jobs. Like, with these innovations, there still has to be a, a human to service the machine, to invent you know, the 2.0. I mean, all that's going to happen is our skills are going to have to evolve. Well, Jared, are we already in the opinion segment here? Because I'm, I'm, I'm smelling some opinion coming out of that mouth. No, no, no. Those are facts. I'll, okay. I'll, those, okay. are, those are irrefutable facts. Okay. It yeah. just sounds maybe, maybe your tone here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes my opinion is facts. I can't help that. No, no, no. So, so to answer your question, ma'am, Honestly, I don't know of an industry that this isn't affecting. I mean, yeah. everything from, you know, artists, architects, builders, manufacturers, uh, seamstress. I mean, I don't know of an industry that this truly isn't Yeah, I impacting. think automation. And, and so some people, um, at least from the readings I was doing, there's some fear from the worker's point of view that the machine will replace them 100%. And <clears throat> when I was looking into it, that it's actually kind of hard to do. Apparently, just making a machine that can replace all tasks by a, a, a person is actually pretty difficult to do. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned uh, about kind of like about 100 years ago, uh, we had like the mechanics. Mm-hmm. You know, how many mechanics do we have? None. Well, there's actually an effect. They actually, I, I found this and it was hilarious. It's kind of a, a, a neat, there's actually a, a term. It's called the Luddite fallacy. Okay, I'm not familiar with this one. Yeah, me I was never either. Called the Luddite, I think I'm pronouncing that properly, fallacy. And this was a, a essentially like a machinist. One of the very first companies in the UK, I think it was an English-based company that produced like metal goods of some sort. And what happened is, is the uh, owner found out, hey, we can, you know, buy these machines and we're going to be more efficient and be able to, perfect, you know, produce more widgets per se. So over the night or during a weekend, all the workers came in and pretty much burned all the machinery, thinking that that machine was going to take their job. Wow. So this is what they call now the Luddite, Luddite fallacy, fallacy, Interesting. thinking that the machines will replace them 100%. And so far what we've really seen historically, that doesn't really happen. You might have one portion of your job replaced, but normally what happens is, and it's funny I mentioned the ATMs earlier, and this is from some research last week, is when ATMs were introduced, what would you think would have happened to the supply, or not supply, the uh, uh, employment of tellers? What I would think have happened? Yeah, yeah. What would De- decreased? Yeah. So let's say let's say there are uh, twenty thousand tellers in the U.S. Okay. at that point in time. The ATM is introduced in the seventies, and uh, you know maybe ten thousand ATMs are purchased Boy, and installed. Yeah. Yep. Would you say it's rational to say maybe close to 10,000 tellers were maybe fired or gotten rid of? Reasonable assumption. Hmm. Well, every single year, the teller employment rate has increased. So what happened? Right? A lot of people would say, you know, what would, why, why are we buying this equipment, but then still not getting rid of the person that, so, you know, this is automating their role. Well, what banks found is that when you automate that specific function you're able to give some time back to the teller well it makes them more 
because um, any any sort of automation, it can only do a couple different functions. Bingo. It is very difficult for it to truly replace a teller. To obviously, you know, yeah. the tellers are trying to get you more universal to where yes. an ATM deposit and withdraw cash. That is the main function. Bingo. Yeah. So these tell the tellers now can focus on you know more products, more services, things like that, which is kind of funny because of course it relates into our job. But there was actually so, research so, around this. So you'd say that's a that's a fact that the tellers. Increased in... Uh, no, it was like 5% every year. Yeah. So almost like my opinion that you just criticized me earlier. Hey, hey, hey. They evolved. It did. So they evolved <laughs> into a different role. Yeah. Um, they're now bankers. They're now managers. And guess now if they're getting paid more or less? More. More. So Because they're becoming more valuable. Bingo. And so this is an interesting thing is, is in the industries that I've seen a good amount of automation, the roles that still exist in that industry, in general, the wages have increased. Because you have to have be more specialized to make sure you can operate the equipment, but also you get pushed into a position that now is worth more money, uh, which is pretty neat. So think of the uh, construction worker on the job. Uh, I'm guessing about 100 years ago, to dig a hole, you usually probably use like a shovel. Yep. Right? Maybe 200 years ago. Well, nowadays, are they really using shovels on the job site? Rarely. Right? They're going to yeah. be using probably large equipment. Yeah. Excavators, right? They're going to be using large equipment. Do you think the guy with the shovel a hundred years ago was getting paid more or less in today's dollars than the guy that's operating the excavator? Probably less. Exactly. It's a less harder job. And now, yeah, but you have- And a, it's a less efficient? Yeah. Yeah, you can do less work. You now can sit in an excavator. You know, some of these things have AC in them. You're getting paid more money to operate that excavator in somewhat of a comfortable environment. And you're you're going to make really good money doing very similar work to somebody that used to have to do it with a shovel. Yeah. So a couple of examples there. I don't know. Yeah, man. That helps. Uh, that, that, I feel like that completely supports my. Well, we're we're supposed to hold back our opinions. I for know, a little man, bit but here. I'm still who I am. <laughs> 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 no, man, but it, it really is interesting. The the legitimate fear, rather than people seeing the opportunity. Yeah. They are seeing more so like, oh my gosh. But let's actually talk about it from the business standpoint. Yeah. Um. So from a business standpoint. I feel like there's a lot of pros as far as investing into automation and to invest into, you know, machines kind of taken over from an employee. Cause you know, last time I checked, you know, employees don't need vacation days, um, minus the routine maintenance or the breaking, i.e., you know, I guess the equivalent of a sick day. Um, there's a little downside, I guess, obviously, you know, once you get your employee culture in check and realize the opportunity that this actually makes for your employees, I'm not really seeing too much downside from the business standpoint. For the equipment? Yeah, for implementing automation. Yeah. You know, I think it depends on the industry. Um, there's a couple of things. I think you probably increase your liability in some cases uh, because the equipment is now almost always going to do the same thing and it can't adjust based on a circumstance. Oh, okay. Right? So, so you're saying it can't really um, flex to customers' demands? Is that what you're getting at? Or? Well, I was just in like this. This is kind of a weird one, but I, we were talking about the excavators. Yep. So there's a guy that operates that. He's paid pretty good money because okay. he's like, you know, specialized. What if that excavator was 100% automated? So that little, you, you upload a blueprint or a construction site to say, hey, dig a hole this wide, this deep. Okay. I'm sure there's some machines out there that can probably do something like yeah, this. Yeah, I got the tech's got to be out there. Yeah. But what if you're, you're doing this right next to a well-traveled road and maybe there's a semi-accident or something like that and a person goes off the road? Well, an operator is going to see that. Um, obviously stop operation. Exactly. And make sure he doesn't hit one of those vehicles. An excavator could go right over a car and not even know it. 
So with a machine, you might increase Interesting, your liability. Interesting, the liability. Yeah. Interesting. So you might increase liability the more automation you have because of circumstances like this. So you still need some type of... I guess, human intelligence. You know what's really interesting to me? And look, obviously that example, because that, that was a very real, very real example to your yeah. credit. Um, but that's also assuming that no accidents ever happen with a human-controlled accident. I, I know. So I always find it so funny, the margin of error for machines doing that. Yeah. Like, um, I, I believe it was Tesla, whenever they're doing the whole self-driving cars or... Yeah. And they hit someone and they unfortunately killed someone. Yeah. People were just up in arms and just borderline disgusted that, you know, we're, we're having self-driving cars and all this. You know what? Let's just make sure. We, I think it was Uber. Was it Uber? Okay. I apologize. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Uh, but the the margin for error is so much less. People die, oh, yeah. unfortunately, every second yeah, yeah. in America just driving a car. Oh, yeah. Human operated. Yes. That's that's almost accepted to whereas the second we give the control over the machine and the machine makes them say, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Yeah. It is that, weird. That's, that's weird to me because in your example... It yeah. was it was horrible, very real. Yeah, but that's also with the assumption that a human excavator would never make that sort of mistake. Yeah, I think we feel like the liability. And you're right. You know, we'd have to, of course, look at which one would be less probable. Yeah. And you're right. If there was sensors or cameras or something like that on the uh, intelligent machine, it probably would sense that. And just like a Tesla device or a Tesla, you know, car that yeah. are extremely good at driving nowadays, probably better than most human drivers. Yeah. Right, so you're right. There, you're right. We we have like this uh, subconscious, almost a feeling. Isn't that weird? That the yeah. the perceived margin of error is zero. Yeah, zero. And that's not that's not realistic. It's not because they're still dealing with other humans, yeah. which are completely unpredictable. What's funny is if you let a computer sit in a room all by itself, it could do the exact same operation forever. But if you did the same thing with a person, they would probably give up in like seven minutes. Yeah, they would they would become unconcentrated. They would mess up. You're right. It, it, a machine's probably going to fail less now unless there's a person in the room, a human, to mess it up, to your point, to my example. Yeah. That is interesting. We yeah, should, Yeah, we have to have... So I'd actually a, be really curious. I don't think that's really this podcast because I don't no. think you're intending to go there, but no. the whole liability thing, I feel like it's a second order yeah. uh, to maybe research just on our own. That would be really interesting to see over the long run. Yeah. What's the real cost from a liability standpoint? So um, yeah. liability is one. Um, this is a weird one. I kind of talk to you a little bit about how to bounce this idea off. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. Yeah, taxes. So, taxes. So I think this is kind of a, a, a neat one because it comes into, before we get to our opinions, of course, but taxes on labor versus like equipment or automation is, they're, they're, they're treated very differently right now in the U.S. tax code. And so labor, me, you, everybody listening, you guys pay probably income taxes. You also pay um, taxes uh, to Social Security. You pay all these different taxes, um, state taxes, federal taxes. Medicare, all that, yep. Yeah. Your company that you work for, if you are a W-2 employee, they're also paying another 7% to the federal government, um, which was usually considered a payroll tax. So just to... Uh, also, I, I know you meant uh, W-2, but that, just for our listeners, that is a general employee. Yeah. I, I just didn't want to make sure that oh, everyone yeah. knew. That yeah. It's kind of a weird term. It so is. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Normally you refer to it as a W employee. It means that you are an employee of an employer of a corporation or a small business. So um, the average tax rate, when you add up all your taxes, for every dollar, you should expect the government to essentially see about 25 cents for that dollar. So that means if I want to hire an employee, for simplicity's sake here, $1 an hour. 
I'm going to actually have to make sure I pay them $1.25 to get a dollar of benefit. So if I hire Jared and say, hey, I'm going to hire you for a dollar an hour, I actually have to hire him and pay him $1.25. That's how much cost the business is going to have because 25 cents automatically have to go to the government. That's for any employee pretty much in the U.S. or a majority of them. So here's the weird thing. If I hire a machine to replace Jared or to uh, say never even have Jared on staff and just have a machine to start with, there's also a tax. I have to pay sales tax and things like that, but it's much lower. And based on it, software and equipment and even structures is, is weird on here. Capital like structures like a building. They're all taxed at different rates. But software and equipment right now have some of the lowest tax rates, which are about 5%. So for every dollar that I spend on equipment, I essentially spend only an additional five cents. You know what's really interesting, man? And I know we brought this up earlier. Certain organizations, like a lot of our clients Mm -hmm. with banks and credit unions, they're exempt in certain states for software. Yeah. So it's actually even cheaper for, for some of our clients. So from a 5% that's actually why these numbers are so low. Yeah. So after 2000, there was some tax code changes. Most of the stuff was actually taxed at about 20%. Very competitive with labor. So Jared's opened his second beer. We'll do a quick review here in a second when I finish this. I know taxes aren't fun here, but I think this is actually kind of a, an interesting fact. Well, the reason why it's so prevalent is because businesses, business leadership need to take this into account from an ROI standpoint. 100%. And so... When I'm making an investment in automation to replace possible labor, I think there's a good case to state that the government right now is actually incentivizing the automation replacement of labor. And the reason why you're saying that is because as we've talked about in past podcasts, you know, government subsidizes and and ultimately how you incentivize a business or an individual to do something Mm -hmm. is you make a tax incentive to do so. You, you, You let your dollars affect your behavior or drive your behavior. Yeah. So, so that's what you're getting at. Right? Yeah. So if I'm Amazon and I have X amount of labor, it's probably their long, largest line item next to cost of goods is labor. Right? Because they, they have a more, yeah. yeah. They have so many employees. I know. Yeah. But I am looking at probably getting rid of that 25 cents per employee cost. Because if I can get a, a machine to do a person's job. What is that? 80%? It's a huge. 5%? 5 of 25. Yeah. What is that? 80%? Five to twenty-five. Yeah, eighty percent decrease. Decrease. Yeah, yeah. So I can have a tw- an eighty percent decrease in my cost to do the exact same job. Yeah. So what's interesting is in about two thousand um, and in the nineties, they changed a lot of the tax codes for this. Now I find this interesting because this is also when dot com boom happened. This is when Microsoft gained a lot of traction in the nineties. I think there's probably some. Um, back in negotiations with some legislators to make this work because of course they want to see their stuff become more prevalent. Mm-hmm. So how you do that is make sure that there's some tax incentives there. So um, some for our listeners to say, you know, I, of course I think automation maybe has a place, but I'm wondering if it would even have a, a foot to stand on if there was not a tax incentive to do it. Maybe the technology is actually not that much better, mm. right? So an ATM, cool, but we both know that it's not as good as a teller Especially if it's going to be in the similar ca- uh, cost category from a tax standpoint. But also, I think an ATM, while it is an example, I feel like it's a very uh, simplified example. And, yeah. and the reason why I almost want to take it to a couple different industries, let's talk about a little bit more retail, yeah. as in our local Home Depot or oh, yeah. um, Walmart or Target or um, a grocery store that yeah. we just went to. Yeah. 
I feel like that, those self-checkouts are legitimate replacements for a traditional checker outer. What, what, what in the world? <laughs> the, yeah, uh, cashier. Cashier, thank you. Wow, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like those are legitimate replacements because barring, you know, us, for example, we need to buy alcohol, so someone need to verify your ID because mm-hmm. they don't trust the machine to do that. But other than that, I, I feel like they do every function yeah. that a traditional cashier would do. So I did a little bit of research in the self-service kiosk for grocery stores. Yeah. And one of the things I found out is that uh, you are you do lose productivity of the scanning of items. From an efficiency, like a quick yes. standpoint? Okay. Yeah. So if, if you have a, a self-service checkout person with just a normal like you know individual like yourself, you know, that wasn't a cashier that does not use this machine perfectly, which is most people in yep. the U.S., yep. right? Okay, you stand at that machine, you have 20 items. You then have a cashier with 20 items. There's a massive difference. It's actually a very noticeable difference. So from a time standpoint? Yes. Okay. You know what I'd be really interested in? And I just thought about this. I'd be curious to see what the average ticket ticket price is. Or not ticket price, but um, mm. total. I bet you if it goes over a certain amount, you're going to a cashier. Yeah. So I wonder if you completely automated your entire store, if you would have a actual lower, lower ticket lower. price. Yeah, I bet you would. Interesting. Right? I bet you would. Because I know when I go to the grocery store, if I go to Home Depot, if I have so many items in my cart, I always go see a cashier. I agree. If I have less, I go to self-service. Well, because the second you bag into your own groceries, it just, oh, uh-huh. please place it on the sun. It freaks out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a huge pain. Like one one pack of beer, like we just did, very easy. Yep. Very easy. So I think there is still a market for cashiers. Clearly, we are stating that right now. Mm-hmm. So the, a complete automation, and we're, now we're on our second beer here, I think doesn't make sense. I think automation will oh, always, no, yeah, no. I think automation will always um, supplement. Yeah, rather than replace. Exactly. Yep. So supplement yep. other than replace 100%. Yeah, I, I agree. And honestly, I'm, I'm pretty aligned with you in the fact that like the ATM, I feel like it can add value mm-hmm. too because same with the ticket price. I'm thinking of airlines. Obviously, the I go to the person if I have an issue and obviously traveling is already a very stressful, yep. stressful event in and of itself. So I want to talk to that human. I want to actually get that face-to-face problem. I want to get that problem escalated if need be, et cetera. Um, so honestly, I feel like that's just reinforcing there are efficiencies to be gained from an employer standpoint. Um, and also, I feel like the the humans can easily work with the automation because they're really taking away those menial tasks. You know, those, those run-in-the-mill tasks where truly it, it can be automated because it's fairly simple. It's literally data entry. You know, at an airline, I'm inputting my confirmation number, my birthday, yep. ending destination. That, that stuff that, that literally all I did was free up them to make their job easier, truthfully. Yeah. No, I, I think you do. Just like the tellers, just like every. I think any at any point you're adding automation, you're not going to replace people most of the time. You're probably going to replace the remedial task. Maybe yeah, that's the right. I, I, th- I think that's a really no. I think you hit the nail on the head as far as supplement. Yeah. Rather than replace. So something here, um, kind of another fun one, right? So we went to the teller example. We yep. went through the excavator example. Yep. Another example um, that I, I, I'm just trying to hit this stuff home because I think there are. Um, Oh, yeah, we'll do the review here. Yeah, we're already, I think you just cracked your second, right? I did, yeah. Um, let me finish this real yeah. quick. Um, they, there are, I think there's a scare right now. From I know you said you haven't been seeing a lot of this in uh, the media, but 
for example, we did one on uh, universal basic income. Mm-hmm. The, the only reason universal basic income exists is because people believe that we will be automated out of the work face, uh, workforce. workforce yeah. Remember we talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I want to like make sure that that does not even exist. Let's talk about that. That's my opinion is that opinion that we need to pay people to, you know, do nothing because there is not a job for them, I think is a bad way to even think about how the world works. And so another example, barcodes and barcode scanners were sold by those barcode companies, you know, the guys that created that as like essentially the way to replace the cashier. That's like, hey, you don't need a cashier anymore. This thing is going to automate all of the the little buttons. Like you need to know the cost of an apple. You know, these the cashier used to be a very memory driven um, job because you'd have to remember the cost of almost every item in the store or a barcode number that before barcodes existed. Right. And so when they built built the barcode, which is stupid, it's just a bunch of lines, of course, mm-hmm. right, with a number associated with it, and then a cost, and then the barcode scanner. Um, apparently they've done a couple studies on this and it reduced labor costs over the last 30 years by about four or five, 4.5% at grocery store chains. That's a pretty big deal. That's, that would be noticeable. It also reduced the cost of groceries by four, 4.5% to the consumer. So overall that's a a five plus percent cost of goods reduction, both to the company and also to the consumer combined. So you would think, oh, wow, you're reducing labor costs. That means you must be doing what? Becoming more efficient. Yeah, but how are you reducing labor costs? You have to be actually getting rid of... Labor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, every single year since the barcode has been introduced, there has been a 2% increase in cashiers. So how does that make sense? Well, because I am now more efficient, I can focus my... That savings at 4, 4.5%, guess what I'm doing with that 4.5%? You would think, a lot of people would think, oh, they are just pocketing that. They're just going to put it in their back pocket as a greedy capitalist. No, they're taking that 4.5% and building better stores, more building stores. more stores. Yeah. Exactly. And when I have more stores, what do I need more of? More people. More cashiers. Yeah. Just like the teller situation. It's exactly the same. There were dramatically less branches prior to the introduction of the ATM. The ATM allowed me to build up, build smaller branches more in more markets, network, yeah. and now all of a sudden I have more staff. So all this automation is, again, supplementing, but also allowing for reinvestment into the business to some extent. Pretty neat, right? No, it is. I like it. That. It is. Honestly, I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent right now. Okay, beer time. Yeah. So... Um, Review. Cody kind of introduced it. It's actually a really, really great can. Uh, the reason why it appealed to us so much is obviously the, the 21st Amendment Brewery. Obviously, Cody and I having uh, the co-host of Six Pack Discussions are a big fan of that amendment. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really cool can. Uh, got Mount Rushmore on there, which is, which is kind of cool. And then it's a blood orange IPA. So I feel like it's a happy medium to make us both happy as far as the kind of beers that we like. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy. With it. I, th- I think it's pretty sweet so far. Um, as far as the can design. Now, the taste. Um, let's see. Truthfully, a little bland for my liking. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's a solid solid 3-1. 3-1? Solid 3-1. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to like it so much for the name. I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of just a fun... I know. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a 3-0. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Um, I, I'm not normally is, is an IPA it, Is it just guy. bland for you? You know, um, I, every time I taste it, 
the beginning is great, but the ending sucks. And so the beginning almost tastes though more so like a um uh, what are the, the seltzers and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. It has kind of that like really like fruity taste to it. Blood orange makes sense. And then again, you guys all know I'm not a big IPA guy. So you know the pale. I wanted oil, to like it so much. Though. I know, I know. The the can and the art artist here yeah. is amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. He he deserves a raise. Whoever the artist is on this is you guys are killing it with your can design. I mean, you got Abe Lincoln. Chucking blood oranges. I know the rest of the rest of It's fun. Right. Like I love it actually. But I I wanted to give it a high score. But I, I have to be true. Yeah. Um, I I feel like I love what the company stands for. Obviously, you know, being for the amendments. Yeah. The Constitution. Um. Great, great company. I'm sure, but uh, this one I think you missed. You now the neat thing is that these guys come out with another beer. I try it. Oh, all day long because of the branding and just you guys are. It looks like you're trying to do something kind of cool, so I'm in on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want to give them another chance. I want to like them. Just, Bingo. I got to be real with this beer. Yeah. I'm going 3-0. You're going 3-1. Yeah. Average beer, nothing you know, out of the ordinary by any means. But, I wouldn't turn it down, but I wouldn't yeah. get it again. Bingo. Okay. Turn it so, man, so um, I feel like we've given a couple pros, a couple cons. Um, I feel like a lot of the cons we've, we've addressed from um, almost the consumer's point of view are there any real cons i know you tried to hit on the liability but i think we yeah. talked through that any more cons from the business point of view well so the liability is a weird one i, I kind of went through that and I, I feel like i could you can case either one man yeah you can so what i found is the companies that are doing this right now i guess the big prevalent ones mcdonald's crackle barrel dave and busters these guys have heavily invested in the last year specifically yeah so I, I actually wanted to hit on this as well. Good. Go for it. So it, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, regardless of industry, as it's no secret to anyone, I mean, heck, I, I can drive by on the road right now and I see a $500, $1,000 signing bonus yeah. to Burger King. Crazy. We are hurting as a nation trying to get people to work. Yep. And I know a lot of different fingers are being pointed at a lot of different people, whatever. I'm not going to get into different that right conversation, now. Different conversation, yeah. Yeah, wildly different conversation. But- the fact still remains is we are in a drastic, severe, excuse me, labor shortage. Labor shortage. Thank you. So with that being said, all these people that are truly fearful for their jobs, fearful for machines replacing them in the workforce and them not being able to ever work, do you think the proper response to that is to not ever go to work? All you're doing is incentivizing that much more. Not only did it make sense from a tax purposes standpoint, because obviously, you know, let's actually take a step back. The taxes are are one thing, but also the upfront cost of these machines are pretty pricey. Yeah. You know, I know specifically probably, in the banking world. Yeah. They're, I'm going to say two to three year salary. At least. For the job that it's replacing. I actually think that's a fantastic point. I was going to go around two, but let's go two to three. So yeah. all you did this past year Justify that much more justify, man. Yeah, because now, because you know what, a machine. A, a, if I'm a if I'm a general manager of a of a Walmart or whatever, I have to serve my customers. Yes, I have to because the it. demand's still there. Yes, and I'm I I don't want to adjust my hours because I can't freaking find any employees. So you know what, I'm actually going to justify to my higher ups, to my leadership. Hey, I need to make this investment. I still have a significant ma- demand here in Chandler, Arizona. What do you expect me to do? The ROI is there. It's just three years out. Yeah. So I, I'm really disappointed with the people not really thinking through the second and third order effects of the decision to continue to receive the government benefit by being unemployed due to COVID that you didn't think what this was going to do to you long term. 
Yeah, so unless you um, learned a new skill or a new trade or something in this interim where you maybe didn't have a job, the job that you are thinking is going to be there, whether you're a server, whether you're a cashier or whatever it may be, where you were saying, hey, I'm going to go back to my same job afterwards. I'm just going to kind of ride this out for whatever my personal reasons are. To Jared's point, that job may not be there. Now, a more um, technical job or a more advanced job may be there, but you may not be qualified. I was just going to say, I feel like you and I, we do a pretty decent job of speaking in generalities and we try to address what's likely for the masses. Yeah. And I know this is entirely opinionated and I'm not sure if you did any research, but would you feel comfortable saying the overwhelmingly large majority of people that are okay with just sitting on their couch collecting a check when they were in that type of job that is in... It's signif- probably going to be a fairly automatable job. That's insignificant, you know. Yeah. I would say that I, w- I would say there's a correlation between the individuals that were not seeking a job immediately after getting laid off from, say, the COVID pandemic. If they were not looking for a job and, and was actively looking for something like to, to replace their income, and they said, you know what, I'm going to write out this um, government assistance or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Mm-hmm. that individual probably is also going to have a job that is semi, if not fully automatable. I would agree uh, with that. Yeah. So it, it really frustrates me because I feel like the masses that are making all this noise and, and truly scared, scared of automation, me, that are scared of automation with their actions, all they're doing is endorsing it the loudest. So it's funny is I actually have kind of a number to back that up a little bit. Yeah, let's hear it, man. Um, so I couldn't find a quantifiable it's data not, point. It's so not let's, exactly let's see what you perfect, found. but I could see where this is relatable. Okay. So 10% of job seekers are urgently looking for a job. Give me give me dates. Did you know when this was? Because I feel like right this, now. This is in the last year. This is 2021. Okay. Okay. So 2021, 10% of job seekers. So this means that let's say there is a million people right now that are unemployed. Okay. And they are actually saying, hey, I need a job. They, Only 100,000 of them are actually urgently looking for a job. So the word urgent is funny because they go on, and I don't want to keep on you know, stating the whole thing, but what it essentially means is that they will actually accept an offer. They will accept. Hold on. That's yes. how you define urgent. Yes. Is if extended an offer and mm-hmm. I say yes, that's, I was so you have, job. So you have 900,000 people that when they get an offer, they'll say, oh, I'm going to continue looking. Wow. That's a little frustrating. And I could see why some companies like McDonald's, like Crackle Barrel, like Dave and Buster's says, okay, guys, we have to do something. We need to just, let's, let's buy this machine. We either that, or we're going to ha- not be able to open our doors. And there are, which is very frustrating, some locations for some of these bigger companies that actually had to close their stores for certain days. Alter their hours. Yes. Yeah. They had to reduce their hours. They couldn't open on certain days like Saturdays because they didn't have enough staff. This is dramatically impacting how their business operations are. So at a certain point, you're putting somebody against a wall. What do they do? They're going to spend more money than they would have prior. If I if I, if I I don't have any other option and there's nobody that wants to take this job, I'm going to spend three times salary right, to buy a machine. That's going to probably do 90% of what you were going to do anyways. So that is a, that is a challenge. Now I will say the stat that I gave you ten percent is specifically in the restaurant and hospitality business, okay. right? So people that would be replacing those jobs. However, I would feel like that would be probably the most significantly impacted it's, from COVID industry originally. It's actually the largest yeah. industry affected. Yeah. So it's Figured. it's a majority of the mo- yeah market. So I feel like it's 
it's maybe a little higher just given that yeah, uh, I, I feel like that's a, a certain demographic that, or yeah. maybe a little bit low to statistic, but I still feel like it's applicable. Yeah, 100%. and it gives a starting point. I think so. I think um, so. That's wild. The fact of how they define urgent, though, isn't it? That's okay. a really loose, uh, loose definition there. So uh, one other thing to take into effect, um, based on really what uh, I, the two reports that I think were the most helpful for me were actually a report done by MIT and then also a report done by McKinsey yep. and Company, which is a bit large consulting company. I think theirs is probably the most um, complete uh, past and future ana- analysis. Yeah, through twenty thirty, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think they did an amazing job in in really determining this, and we'll we'll post the links, of course, with this. Um, but one of the things that they state is that the two to two um, positions that you definitely want to be looking for additional uh, um, like expertise, you want to be looking for additional, uh, I don't know the right word to say trades or something like that, like looking for additional skills. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't know why I couldn't say word skills. Okay. Additional skills is people that are waiting tables and taking orders. Apparently those two, uh, taking orders mean like a cashier. Yep. So those two individual positions, which is a large majority, large majority of the actual market in general for a job position standpoint, those two over the course of COVID um, in the last year, to your point, uh, those ones are going to see a dramatic reduction in just openings because of automation. Yeah. Um, so you should be very cautious if that was your position and you want to back into that field, you should be doing one of probably two things as a recommendation. Just for my opinion, you should be upping your skill set and determining how can I maybe uh, do a lateral move into a different industry or how do I do a vertical move into a position in the current industry that I can now be maybe managing this equipment, I can be managing uh, my staff with the equipment. And so you should be thinking of how do I stay and promote myself? I think it's a weird, it's a weird concept, but a lot of jobs out there, you know, you think of, oh, my manager has to promote me. My boss has to promote me. No, no there's a no. lot of times where you can actually you promote have to yourself. yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you through your to, actions. Bingo. And, and one of those actions, you need to stay employed. Mm-hmm. It, I, I'm th- sorry. Never do I ever think. Yeah. And look, I actually, let me, let me put a little asterisk. Regardless of opinions, yeah, I feel like at the very beginning of this pandemic, there were a lot of people that were truly fearful because of a, a lot of the unknown. Totally rightful. Yeah. There, there were a lot of question marks at first. And I'm not going to to judge anyone that said, hey, F this, I'm standing at home. Uh-huh. I don't want any part of this. Yep. However, as data started coming out and, and who truly who it's impacting, et cetera, and then all of a sudden you saw people going on vacation, going to their friend's house, going... Grocery store. To the gym. All grocery store. Thank you. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're not scared to go to your friend's house, but you're scared to go to work. Then it started getting almost a convenience factor, like when you're scared. And that's where I start looking from from a potential employer. It's like, hold on, like where are you? How can I depend on you? Yeah. Because your, your ethical compass there really isn't aligned. If you're not afraid to go over to your buddy's house, if you're not afraid to go to the grocery store or the gym, yep. why are you afraid to go to the work? Yeah. No, I agree. No, that makes total sense. Like, you have to, it, it, this is kind of like what's wrong or situation. It's a very what's wronger. Yeah. Like you have to either be a hundred percent, I'm going to stay in my house or I'm going to go to work and now I'll, I get it. I'm going to take, I'm going to take some risk. That's what the situation is. I have to take some risk. Now here's the situation that I get up. Like I get where you're getting upset. Where I get upset. Let's hear it. 
is the individuals that said, you know what, I am going to stay at home. I'm going to lock down, okay. and um, I, I really think this is a potential threat for me. Okay. That's totally fine. At, at the very beginning, yes. it was real. Yes, 100%. Was real. Now, how long are you able to do that financially? Because at a certain point, you're going to be relying on somebody else to take care of you. Well, you're going to be, no, 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 let's, let's, let's define somebody else. You're going to rely Your on neighbor. someone who's going to work yes. and busting their ass. That's where I'm saying that's, okay, okay. that's why I'm going to get emotional right now. Let's clearly define yeah. no, no. somebody else. So if I'm that person that says, you know what, um, I was a, either a waiter or maybe I was a manager at a hotel, I was um, a uh, business line operator, whatever it may be. And I say, you know what? I cannot go into the office. I cannot go to the store that I work at. I cannot be a teller anymore at a branch that I work at. Whatever the role is. Yeah, yeah. I now say, oh, I'm going to do this for five months, six months, eight months, 12 months. I'm expecting somebody else to go do that so that I can afford the food on my plate, my house over my head, my Netflix subscription. I'm wanting somebody else to essentially do that work for me. And that's where I'm like, oh, you can't, you can't make some, that, that's like forcing somebody to work in your backyard and not being able to pay them. Yeah. So, so I feel like this kind of is almost a, a part two, a very short part two of our infrastructure bill and our, our budget bill. Oh yeah. Podcast. Yeah. I, again, guys, it's not like the government just, you know, poops out funds. You know, it comes from us. It, it comes from people that are in the workforce contributing to the taxes, paying taxes, right? Yeah. So every dollar that you get out of the government and you're scared to go to work, but you're okay with going to the gym, you're okay with going to your friend's house, you're okay with going to the grocery store. Yep. You are stealing yeah. from the person that the, your neighbor decided to risk that needs to take the risk. Yeah. Because they believe in putting food on their table themselves. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We got a little off topic mm. there. Which is a little bit, but I think I think relevant. It's very. I'm relevant. okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, very relevant because it's contributing to the automation. So we're working on to our third B here. So maybe we uh, we we were pretty opinionated already, both of us. It, it was man, but I feel like they're strongly supported by facts. No, and, no. and again, like a lot of our podcasts, I would love to have a rational, logical conversation on why automation is bad or, or where our opinions are off. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of these opinions, and I know I, I probably took us off the rail by you know doing it in our first beer as far as yeah. giving in the opinions. I'm not sorry, but no. um, I feel like they're, they're logical opinions. I feel like they're opinions that were based off of people's actions and to where from a business standpoint, because at, at the end of the day, the business is trying to create more jobs, create more wealth for the shareholders, create more wealth for the employees. Yep. And they're doing that the best way with the information they have at hand and the information they had for going on, what are, are we into this 20 months? People are still reluctant to go to work. Yeah. We have several businesses that cannot get employees, you know? Yeah. Well, what in the hell do you expect these people to do? Because they close the shop, they close the doors. Well, okay, now thousands of people are out of business yeah. or I'm sorry, out of work, you, you know? I, I, I don't know what the logical response is because I still expect Burger King to be open from eight till midnight or whatever yeah. it is. I still expect it as a consumer, but I, I can't reasonably expect, you know, my neighbor to want to actually go to work from eight till twelve. Yeah. Th no. Come on. No, you have to what? start resorting to automation. Now here's the here's where I kind of start wondering how this works, right? So long term. Let's start talking maybe um, you know, the, we talked about kind of where we're at right now. Yep. Let's start talking about into the future. So, Let's do it. Um, 
couple things that I worry about is the jobs that are going to be automated. So let's just say there is a job that's going to be 100% automated. One that I hear is fearful um, from these um, doomsdayers of job markets. So folks like Andrew Pessimist. Yang. Yeah. yeah, Andrew Yang has kind of pushed this idea that we are going to remove one of the number one um, high-paying jobs from the entire market. And most people don't even know this is a, that high-paying of a job, but it's actually one of the most high-paying jobs out Honestly, there. Truck driver. There we go. Oh, really? Okay. Truck yeah. driver. I mean, I feel like it's a very lucrative... This is a booming job. Oh, yeah. It is in huge demand, especially because of the last year, yep. right? We're having supply chain well, shortages. Also, the vaccine mandate. Bingo. That's becoming a problem. Yes. So, truck drivers, both company truck drivers like Amazon and also private truck drivers, which a lot of people don't realize. Yes, that's a job too where you pretty much are just contracting You business. own your own truck. Yes. And, yeah. And you're making a lot of money. Right, you're getting paid a, a wage and then per mile, and you're doing a lot of and stuff. Arguably, one of the critical backbones. I I don't know honestly if there's more of a backbone. If if those truck drivers stop tomorrow, everything would stop. I would say maybe the only one that you could make a rational argument for is the shipping companies. They're kind of the same. I know yeah. they're the same, but yeah. they are two different professions, you're two right. different skill sets. You're right. right. Yes. Um, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Yes. I know they're very dependent on one another, like, but like you're gonna get your item here and then the last mile. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So you need both those things to get those goods. Now, again, you could also say, what about the manufacturers? Oh, I, okay, guys, right? we have to draw. Yeah. Yeah. Draw a line. But in America, we don't produce a lot of things. Right. So we, we went over that last podcast. Right. We don't produce a lot of things here. Right. So guess what we depend on? We depend on the guys that actually can move the goods from China, from Brazil, from Mexico to your local grocery store. I think some of you probably noticed that you ran out of toilet paper recently. <laughs> right this is a big deal this oh, is yeah. because of truck drivers and also just supply chain changes uh, yeah. right your shipping situation uh via ships yeah. so okay so this is the job that i could see why you would want to make this critical to your doomsday plan of saying hey guys if we automate this job we're going to get rid of a lot of high paying jobs for people that really depend on it i i actually have a little bit of um discontent for that or, or or i feel like okay that that is actually bad like i have some emotional reaction to that. i don't want to get rid of this great pain job and automate it but i also think about it, i'm like is that actually likely and i think is it actually going to happen you know in near term should we be worried about it to the extent where it's going to affect the truck tr truck drivers right now so what do you what do you what, do, what are your thoughts before i say mine where let's just let me give you the example for our listeners I'm going to take all the truck drivers on the roads right now and give them, or, or I'm going to take their trucks and essentially have a robot drive these, what, 30-ton machines down the freeway? Time, depending on their you know, yeah, payload, right? payload. 30-ton machines uh, down the highway uh, going 75 miles an hour, 65 miles an hour, delivering goods. Do you think that's likely do you think that's a, a thing that we should be thinking about right now oh yeah absolutely man you think so yeah um so two parts um i, I feel like this really parlays well into our our theory as far as uh well, not really theory it's actually being well practiced as far as automation being supplemented so i think those long stretches of highway mm. i think that's where it can be automated but i think the true technical skill to where you back it up and actually take on the load or t put off the load you know you know Make sure that's all happening properly. So I feel like 90% of 
but I feel like we need a human on the first 5% to get it to the highway. And I feel like we need a uh, last 5% another human taking it from the highway. So it's funny. Our railways, you would say a railroad is a long stretch. Are there any pedestrians ever on railways? Is it pretty much? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> those still have an engineer that runs that train. Mm-hmm. Those aren't automated. Those have been around a lot longer than semi-trucks. Yep. I would say I would be scared for engineers' jobs prior to a truck driver job. What would you say with that? Yeah, I would agree with that theory. Okay. So that job isn't even on the horizon to getting replaced. Why would you not just replace the engineer with a machine running a train that literally has probably zero risk of running over vehicles, things like that, right? There's no liability there. So I, I, I'm kind of taking your long stretches of highway yeah. and just saying trains do the same thing. I, I would agree with you, but I would also say there are a lot more truck drivers than train engineers. Oh, so you think so I don't think the, the need mm. for automation is almost greater in that aspect. You're probably right. There's a lot more cost. Yeah. So that's why I think that the need for automation and the need for innovation okay, no, is I, a little I bit like greater that. there. That makes sense. So, so I agree with that from a, um, from a uh, likelihood standpoint, as far as what would be easier to automate, it'd be the train engineer. Hundred percent agree with but you. But the benefit. But the benefit far is outweighed and weighed a lot heavier, rather. The truck drivers in the truck drivers, simply because of the sheer okay. number of them. You know, it's funny. Uh, I think there is actually um, some folks that have started thinking about, like I think Waymo, which is actually nearby. Yeah, yeah us. they're they're doing a fantastic job. Yeah, this is actually a Google company for everybody listening. They already have trucks that are starting to do this and test it here in Arizona. So, so another another component of it, and don't quote me, guys, and I don't feel comfortable, you know, given the given the source because I don't remember. But I, I actually did look in this whole truck driving thing, um, as far as the risk to it. And one of the main problems, I, I think, the average age of a truck driver is north of like fifty five, fifty six. Oh, really? Okay. So that's actually a growing concern. Therefore, um, I, I can't remember what it was on some news network. Um, so. Honestly, with that, regardless of what news network has your preference, put yeah. an asterisk on it, unfortunately. Yeah. But I remember not too long ago, I think it was a few weeks ago, the average age of a truck driver is north of 55, 56. And that's what they were actually saying the need for legitimate innovation in that because of the aging workforce. And oh, also, yeah. a machine doesn't need to be vaccinated. And the truck driving industry as a whole is lacking in that. So therefore, we have a, a problem and a solution yeah. Marrying up perfectly there. So if you want a vaccinated workforce. Make it a machine. Make it a machine. That's an interesting conundrum, you could say. Yeah. Because I think, at least my perspective is I think the same people that are saying that we shouldn't automate are also probably saying that we should vaccinate. And that might be an issue. I don't know. I, I see exactly what you're saying here. I, I like that. Um, I, I just don't think the truck driver automation is a, a huge concern. We've done this before. We've automated horse carriages. We've automated the people that make saddles. We've automated the, the people that do the horseshoes. So also, guys, I just Googled it real quick on my phone, and the average age, according to NPR.org, hmm. is 55 years old. Oh, So yeah, I think yeah. I said north 56. So I was around that area. I, I said 55, to be honest. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. So... I, 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 I felt like I remember that pretty strongly just because I was really interested in it. So I, I yeah. remember I literally stopped getting ready and everything. I was like, that's so because I haven't gotten much talk to it. So that's interesting. We probably are going to have a problem in the trucking industry anyways. Well, yeah. Because yeah. they're going to retire. Well, here, here's another interesting thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So the, one of the problems with the truck driving industry is this is a very interesting rule. Um, and California is actually trying to change it 
the minimum age you can be to be a truck driver is 21. Yeah. So California is actually on the forefront, the bleeding edge, if you will, of trying to change it to 18 to try to address the aging workforce. Because of a commercial driver's license. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there should be an age. We that's never that's actually another conversation we need to do is ages of things you can do things, dude. That's like a weird that. one. I actually like that a lot. Yeah, right. we're gonna put that on the docket. Yeah. Okay. I think we're kind of started to wrap this thing up. I feel like we're we're close. Um, yeah. So maybe let's do final thoughts. So final thoughts. Automation. Um, honestly, I I am a hundred percent for it. Um, given the response for a lot of the automatable jobs that people responded with their actions which is the loudest voice you can, dollars and actions. Um, I'm 100% for it. If the people don't want to come to work, if the people want to complain and they're not wanting to evolve, if they're not wanting to grow within their careers and make themselves better and rather just kind of sit on the couch and collect a check, I'm 100% okay with people, I'm sorry, with businesses, automated jobs. Okay. Um, I think think I'm all right with it, but the one caveat... That I will say, um, I think automation is fine because what it means is that we are innovating. We are trying to make things easier for people. You know, I think this can relate to anybody out there. There's a reason that we all like having dishwashers in our house, right? It, it got rid of a job of cleaning the dishes for housewives probably in the 30s and 40s, which took up a lot of time. Reduce maids. Exactly. Whatever it may be. And so having laundry machines, I think we're all right with that in our own homes. So let's take that to the job. It makes sense for a company to invest in automation. Now, here's the only thing that I'm going to say I caveat this whole conversation with. Is I do not like that the government is incentivizing certain ways to... From a tax standpoint. Exactly. If you're going to do, let's just say, a task. Let's say that task is handing $200 to Jared at a window. I don't think it should cost more money, whether that is a person or a machine. To the business, because as soon as soon as you start doing that, you're you're manipulating the markets in a way to incentivize certain ways of doing it, and that can unfortunately probably do bad. And, and I think it might be doing bad right now in the labor force. So I don't want to see that because I get there's some upside because now you're essentially innovate. You're you're doing more innovation in your specific market if you incentivize. You know, hey. Um, it incentivizes companies to produce products that build cool things to automate labor. But I think there's some substandards there. I think we are uh, on the uh, equipment side and the software side and the capital side. You essentially can get away with doing certain things and saying, you know what? This job does like 95% of that person. Well, guess what? I also don't have to have them pay a tax, so it's close enough. I want to see the company say, you know what? We have to do better than what a person does to make a product that actually is going to work in the market. So I think what it's doing is is making substandard products or substandard automation. Incentivizing substandard innovation. It's incentivizing substandard innovation, but also reducing um, your, your labor in a way that might be negative impacting the entire market. So I, I think, uh, again, I like automation. I want to I th- hold you to this. Are you... Would you rather increase the taxes on Ooh. the self-service or would you rather decrease the taxes on the labor? You know, if I didn't know you, Jared, I wouldn't prepare for that, but I know you. <laughs> so I already thought about it. I already thought about it. And what I would do is, so I told you guys it's about 5% for software and equipment in the U.S. right now and about 25% for um, labor. 
I would actually increase the the capital tax on the equipment and software. Okay. I think that makes sense, but decrease your labor tax. So a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah, shave I, and heavy pad. I think, yeah. I think right now the income taxes are pretty dang high for for any type of earner. I don't care if you are a, a, a 15000 a year earner or $100,000 a year earner. I think the income taxes right now are very high and it makes the way of living costly. So I think you bring that down so the normal income earner, you know, can, you know, have extra cash in their pocket at the end of every year. But then you also increase the, the cost of goods to people that are making large investments on this. And all that does is make the companies that are producing those goods, think of Google. Like these are big companies in some cases. All it does is make them say, man, we got to get really good at making these cars. We got to get really good at making this uh, truck all we're doing is incentivizing them to make a better product that can replace a truck driver. Love it. I love it too. I, I think it makes sense. Awesome, man. Uh, I love that closing point. I, I have nothing more to add. I, I completely am aligned with what you said. So cool. Another great podcast, man. Yeah, guys. Uh, automation in the workforce. Don't be scared of it. I think that's the, the that's don't. the bottom line. We can work with this, not against it. Um, also, please give us a follow at uh, at Six Pack Discussions. Um, we, we'd love to interact with our with our fans and our listeners. We're always open for other topics. Yep. Um, if we're wrong on something, I would love to hear your opinion. Yeah. I, I'm not opposed to to inviting someone on, and we can maybe do a part two to any podcast. I would love that. Yeah, and we started getting really good at also posting all of the links for our research. So yeah. as you guys are like, man, where does this stack come from? I wouldn't mind reading the entire report. Some of these reports, guys, just so you guys know, are 15, 20 pages. Oh, they're long. They're long. So you can go read the entire report um, you know, on our uh, podcast so you'll actually see in the comments the entire uh, links. Feel free to click on one of those. Uh, I'm sure all of these uh, companies or, I guess, um, research papers would love it too. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. See awesome, guys. guys. Thank you.